Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. As the kids are leaving tonight, I just want to remind y'all that we do have tree kids tonight. The preschool classes, the early childhood ministries, they always review their Sunday lessons is what they do on Wednesday nights. The um, kinder through third graders have started a new series called Bible Science. Last week we put one of the Mentos and the Diet Coke and talked about that. That was really fun for them. The fourth and fifth grade girls are starting a new series called Wonder Women of the Bible. That's been really fun. And the boys are learning tonight, the fourth and fifth grade boys are learning about being a servant. Um, Our Sunday series, we are just finishing, this will be our last Sunday to finish our emoji series, and we're learning about happy hands that we rejoice because Jesus is our Savior. And you know, it was supposed to be last Sunday, and we thought, well, do we just start a new series? And we're like, absolutely not. It's the most important lesson in this series. So that'll be this Sunday. And then the next Sunday, we're going to be kicking off a new series on respect, which will be really great. One of the series, one of the lessons in the series is on kids respecting their parents, but I'm not going to tell you which one because I want you to bring your kids to all four weeks of it, okay? But one of them will be on children respecting their parents. We're going to jump right into our series on Philippians. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you that our hearts are open and that our eyes are focused. We thank you that our lives are surrendered and we say, God, do what you wanna do. And so Father, as we start tonight, we just declare in Jesus' name, it shall be done, amen. So I always like to start with a little recap. It's this, we're in Philippians and the series is called Finding Your Joy. And we've been, the last few weeks have been on how to find and how to keep your joy. The guys have been doing those, those lessons. I wanna do a little bit of a recap. I wanna remind you too that Paul wrote this letter from prison and it was more or less a thank you for a monetary gift he'd received. So this is a really long thank you letter that Paul's writing. And in chapter one, Pastor Cody taught on priorities, perspective and perception. That our priorities determine our perspective, which determines our perception. And we can choose our priorities. Chapter two, Pastor Rob, his, his title was Focus on the Finish Line. And his uh, main topic was, joy is based on what Jesus did for me, not what happens to me. In chapter three, Pastor Dave, talked about keeping your eyes fixed on the finish line. Do not allow your past failures, hurts, and disappointments to keep you from experiencing joy in your life. So we're gonna wrap that up tonight. So tonight I've titled chapter four, Joy in All Things. Joy in All Things. The question is, how can I have joy in all things? When I first started writing in it, the first thing I wrote down was, joy ought to mark us as Christians. Joy ought to mark us as believers. But as I read over it the last few weeks, I thought, you know what, I don't even like that word ought to, because you know the shoulda, coulda, woulda, and there's some guilt associated with that. You oughta, you oughta, you oughta, we tell our kids. We don't like to hear that. But what I wanted, what I changed it to is joy can mark us as Christians. Joy can mark us as Christians. It can mark us as believers. So the first, the first point in your notes in your uh, live notes, if you're taking notes on that, is we can have joy, 
not because of what is happening, but in spite of it. We can have joy, not because of what is happening, but in spite of it. You know, this week, it was a little hard to prepare this lesson on um, joy in all things. I wrote it, started it last Wednesday, and it was a little, it's a challenge, right? And I'm like, Lord, is this even the message? Because we don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything that I need to tell you, but you know what, that doesn't really matter. Because what I do know is that God loves us and he's always with us. And that's always true. So I believe God's word is true. And not just that we ought to have joy, but that we can have joy. So this chapter <clears throat> contains some of, our, some of my very favorite memory verses. It's just packed. All the verses in here are great. Chapter four is really good. Verses, I mean, verses, verse four, verses six and seven, verses eight, verse 19. We'll come back to those in just a minute. But I wanna focus on this first verse. It's lesson, it's number two in your outline. Verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. After, when I became a Christian, of course, everybody learns John 3, 16, probably the very first one, but this was probably the next one I learned. And I heard it taught this way. If you've ever kind of gotten angry and someone's told you to count to 10, just stop and count to 10. Someone told me one time, it depends on which version, but if you use this version, this has 10 words in it. So instead of just stopping and counting to 10, just stop and say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And let that, let that out, let, let what's inside of you out like that. So joy in all things, joy in all things. You know, we always go all means all, which it does. So I looked it up in the dictionary and it radically means all. That's the first definition. It radically means all. It means every kind or variety, the whole. It signifies the totality of the things referred to, any and every, of every kind, all manner of, especially denoting emotions, conditions, indicating every mode in which a quality manifests itself, literally everything. So point number three, joy is not based on our circumstances, but on our faith and trust in God. Joy is not based on our circumstances, but on our faith and trust in God. Pastor Rob said it this way in his sermon, um, whichever one he did. Joy is based on what Jesus did for me, not what happens to me. You can predetermine that that's gonna be how you decide to live. Now it sounds really good, so how do you live that out? So I wanna start by taking a look at the word circumstance. I like breaking things down like that. That's the way I learn, that's the way I like to teach. I teach it to the kids this way. And so the first part of the word circumstance is the word circum, which is where of course we get like circumference. It means the distance around a circle. I used to be a math teacher. The circumference is the distance around a circle. So it's what's going on around. And the word stance is really the word stand, right? And it's not just to stand, but it's how you stand. So when I teach karate, and we make sure the kids' stances are strong. Bend this knee, don't bend that knee, square up your shoulders, back, back stances look different than front stances. All those things are very, very important because how you stand is important. So what this verse is saying, or what this word is saying, it's a compound word that means our circ 
the next part is something else, but the, that the word means that it, it doesn't matter about what's happening around us, that we have to stand firm in what's going on around you. So whenever you see that word circumstance, think about that. It's the things that are going on around us and we can't allow them to determine our joy. Actually, our circumstances are the breeding ground for God's miracles. Our circumstances are the breeding ground for God's miracles. Pastor Cody said, how do I see my circumstances? And he talked about wearing um, like tinted sunglasses, that everything you see looks like that color. It looks rosy, rose color glasses, or it looks real golden, whatever it is, because you see it through that lens. And he said, we all have struggles, but when we choose to view life God's way, we can always have joy. They were all good. All this whole series, we want you to go back and listen to them. They were all awesome sermons to help us remember not just how to find it, but how to keep your joy. When we think about people in the Bible who had some tough circumstances, I just wrote down a few. I think about Joseph, who was in prison for things that he was accused of, that he, it was unjustly accused of and imprisoned for. But in the end of the book of Genesis, he says that what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And he used those circumstances to promote him and to save Israel. I think of when Israelites, when they were at the sea, when they had just left and they're standing at the sea, in front of them is the Red Sea and behind them is Pharaoh's army. And it was the breeding ground for one of the miracles that just continually blows our mind to the point that people have to find a way to explain it away because they just can't believe it's true. I think about Elisha in 2 Kings chapter six. This is kind of one of my favorites probably because his servant's with him and his servant looks out, he gets up and he looks out and he sees just the army totally surrounding them. And Elisha's not afraid. And he tells his servant, there are more with us than those that are against us. So God, he prays and says, God open his eyes so he can see. And his eyes are open and he sees the chariots, the flaming chariots and the horses that are surrounding the army that is surrounding them. That was the truth of his circumstances. When you think about things that God has delivered you from in the past, I love when you write them down and maybe in a journal or we have a little thank you jar that we read on Thanksgiving. Write those things down because they remind you of what he's done. When you look in your rear view mirror and see what he did, we can look to our present and future with hope and expectation. Just like the song we sang, with expectation. And I wrote this down, it's not in your notes, that faith isn't based on an outcome, it's an outlook. It's how you choose to look at things in all things. So, let's look at some of Paul's all things. Wow. This is what he wrote in 2 Corinthians. And remember, he's in prison when he wrote Philippians. When he was uh, in 2 Corinthians, he writes, I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, 
and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Those were Paul's all things. And he was still rejoicing. When we homeschooled, one of the things that we, I really like to do with the boys is we read missionary stories. And um, most of them we got from a publishing company called YWAM. One of the stories I wanted to share with you tonight is from Corey Tinboom, And you may have heard of her. You may already know who she was. But this is one of the stories that she records in her book called The Hiding Place. She was actually um, in a German concentration camp because she and her family had housed some Jews who were escaping. And so she was, they were found out and they were put in concentration camps. These, these are really, as you know, really awful places. But in the midst of those sufferings, what she was able to do was she had snuck in a Bible, which in itself was another miracle, another story. She'd snuck in a Bible and she and her sister Betsy were able to do Bible studies in that concentration camp. And then she says, one day they moved them to some new barracks, barracks 28. I don't know what that means, but I bet if they were in the concentration camps, they would have gone, oh no, right? She was horrified that her new barracks were infested with fleas. And so Betsy was reading the Bible and this is the verse she found. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And she said, that's it, Corey. That's the answer. We're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances. And Corey's like, in this? And she said, yes, it doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. It says in all circumstances. So they gathered together and they started praying. They said, thank you, God, that we're together. Thank you, God, that we have a Bible. Thank you, God, that you brought so many women here that we could share your word with. And then Betsy said, and thank you for the fleas. And Corey was like, absolutely not. I am not thanking God for a flea. But Corey said, Betsy said, yes, we are. And that's what she prayed. Thank you for the fleas. She said, I stood there, in her book she says this, I stood there and I was determined that, that this time Betsy was wrong. But you know what? They were able to have their Bible studies. They were not harassed by the, by the, by the guards. They didn't come in there. They didn't take their Bible. They did not interrupt their Bible studies. And you know what they found out later? Why those guards did not come in those barracks? Because of the fleas. And sure enough, even when Betsy prayed, thank you for the fleas, Corey decided she could see it later on the other side. She always kind of wanted to be like her sister. Her sister was always positive and thanked God in all circumstances. I love that story. This is what, uh, the next one in your notes, this is one of the quotes from Corey Tinboom. She wrote this, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, it only empties today of its strength. Isn't that true? Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows, they're still gonna be there, but it empties today of its strength. So the question is, what are your fleas, right? What are the things that you can look for that are your circumstances that you aren't so happy about, but that you can find something good in? What are your all things? This week for a lot of people, it's been Hurricane Harvey. It's been loss of life for some, loss of homes, loss of their belongings. 
certainly discouragement. A lot of them didn't have flood insurance. So I'm sure they're thinking about their bills. You might be thinking about your bills also, even though maybe you didn't lose everything in Harvey. Or maybe there's a crisis in your family or an illness in your family. Maybe you have a really difficult job or you have difficult people that you have to work with. Whatever your all things are, give thanks in all the circumstances. So back to verse 13, that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We talked about the all things, so let's talk about the I can do and the through him who strengthens me. Can means to be able, it means to prevail. Do means to be strong, to have power, to have the strength to overcome. During our 21 days of prayer, I was, you know, I don't know about y'all, but probably, everyone's probably has some things you're struggling with, right? We were praying for our church, for things in our church, um, a bigger vision for God to see that vision through, to show us certain things. But individually, I hope that you had something you were also struggling with, something you were wrestling with that God wanted to show you. For me, he showed me this verse in Zechariah 4 and verse 6. And it was very plain. He said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Because probably the things I was struggling with, I was trying to do in my own strength. And that never works. But I didn't stop reading in verse six, because that's not how I am. So I went back to the first part of chapter four of Zechariah. And what Zechariah is, actually I went back to all the way to the first chapter, but that's okay. But in chapter four, it was very significant. This is what God showed me. He, Zechariah sees this vision of a lampstand. And there was a lampstand in the temple and it burnt, they burned it, they burned the oil in it. So there's a golden lampstand, and there was a bowl of oil on top, which there wasn't in the temple, that was a different thing. And so he was seeing something prophetically, because that bowl of oil was Jesus himself. And also, on either side of the lampstand, attached to that bowl at the top, were two trees. And to me, that was real significant because the way they made the oil was they picked the olives, they crushed them, they made the olive oil for the light to shine. But what he's saying here is this is a supernatural, continuous supply of oil by my spirit. So when you're struggling with something, I want you to remember that verse. And I want you to remember that whole chapter, that whole picture. I tried to draw it, but I'm not a very good artist. But the whole picture of that lampstand with a jar of oil, with the two trees on either side, supplying a continuous supply of supernatural oil. Pastor Dave's sermon, he said it this way, um, our joy is found in our salvation through Jesus and in Jesus alone. And then I was really proud of him because he did an object lesson and I told him he could come do it and treat kids sometime. But he took his Bible and he took a piece of paper and he said, this is us. If you were here, you remember this. If not, go back and listen to it. It was really powerful. This is us and the Bible, this represents Jesus. And when you put it inside, it says we're hidden in Christ. We're hidden in him. That was an awesome object lesson. So how can we do all things through him who strengthens me? How can I have joy in all things? So we're gonna go back to a couple of the other verses. In verse two, 
I wrote down the word harmony, so that blank is harmony. And I'm not sure how to really pronounce these names. I asked Pastor Rob ahead of time. It says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Suntuke. I would have never guessed it was said that way. To be of the same mind in the Lord. And at first I wrote the word unity and then I thought, no, it's not even really unity, it's harmony. And that's so different, that's so beautiful. Think about a, a, a sports team, a football team. Think about the worship team. They sing the same words, but they sing in harmony, not even the same, um, something maybe soprano or alto or whatever those different parts are. And it makes it that much more beautiful because everybody adding to the part, right? There's Ephesians 4 right there, is everybody does their part in harmony. And I wrote this down that harmony means that their efforts complement the efforts of others rather than conflict with them. So he's pleading to have harmony. Make sure what you're doing is complementing what the other people are doing. Verse four, verse four. I wrote down the word rejoice. I cannot read this verse without singing the little kid song in my head. I don't know if you were in Bible school when you were little, but it's rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, and then you do it in a round. And then, so I tell you what though, you know why that's powerful? Because that song gets in your head. I still sing it when I read that verse. Your kids need to know that verse ahead of time. They don't need to know to rejoice afterwards. They need to know to rejoice ahead of time. That song needs to be so stuck in their head that they automatically rejoice. Verses six and seven. Now this is one of the ones I hang on to all the time. And I wrote down the word pray. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Worry makes us think that everything has to happen right now. And faith assures us that it will happen when God says it's supposed to happen. I said this last time, everything works out in the end. If it's not working out, it's not the end, right? I wrote this down, some research about worry. 40% of what we worry about never happens. 30% is about the past. 12% are needless worries about our health. 10% are about petty issues. And 8% are legitimate concerns. So 92% of your worry is wasted energy. And Paul says, don't even worry about the last 8%. Verse eight, I wrote the word think because it's just, this is telling us what to think on. So I'm gonna read this verse, but I'm gonna insert some questions after each phrase. And these are the things I want you to think about. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, find the truth in the conflict. There's something true in that. There's something true. Whatever is noble, Ask yourself, what can I do to honor the person I'm having a conflict with? What can I do to honor them? What is noble? Whatever is right. Pastor Don's been saying this a lot lately. Pursue righteousness. Do the right thing. Whatever is pure. This one's really tricky. This is the question I wrote down. How do I need to react to remain untainted or unpolluted? How do I react 
to remain untainted or unpolluted. Whatever is lovely, believe the best about your adversary. Whatever is admirable, what can I find to commend them about? Or praiseworthy, at what point did I see Jesus in this so that I can say he is worthy of praise? And think on these things. Verse 12, be content. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And Paul says, I have learned to be content. He learned it. He had to learn it. Discontentment is our natural state. We have to use the supernatural in us, the supernatural presence to transform that anxiety into joyous satisfaction. Now remember, Paul was in prison when he wrote this too. I know I keep saying that, but it's kind of important. Because sometimes we think we need to have a platform. That we need to stand up here. Or that we need to have a talk show. Or that we need to write a blog. And all those things are great, but every day you're dealing with circumstances and every day someone's watching you. And every day someone is seeing how are you responding to that. You know what? People are watching and you know what else? Kids are watching, they're watching. They wanna know what's the correct response to this. So our difficulties are the platform for others to see the manifestation of his life, love, and power. One of the other um, missionaries that I wanted to tell you just a little bit about tonight, his name was Watchman Nee, and he was a Christian missionary in China in the 20th century. And the way he became a Christian was his mom went to a revival They weren't Christians. In fact, he had a very low opinion of Christians. His mom went to the revival and came home and apologized for something that she had done to him. Well, that made such an impression on Watchman Nee that he went the next night and he experienced the very presence of God. And he gave his, he surrendered his life to the Lord. Well, in his time, um, as he was a missionary, he was in prison for his faith and for his testimony. He actually spent the last 20 years of his life in prison. The last 20 years of his life were in prison. But here's what, it, here's what one of the accounts of his life say. It reports that the Chinese government would change the, car, the guards at his cell daily for fear that he would convert someone. Can you imagine? They, changed, they intentionally changed, changed the guards daily because they knew if they listened long enough, they would be converted. That's a testimony. But you know what, we don't have to be imprisoned. Every circumstance that you come up against, it's a time to let others see the expression of the manifestation of God's life, love, and power. Verse 19, on your notes, verse 19 is trust. And my God will will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The kids quote that one, they know that's true. I've heard them all the time. We can have joy in all things because joy is not based on our circumstances, but on our faith and trust in God. If God is the source of your joy, then your joy can never be taken away because he's always with us and he always loves us. I found this um, graphic and I asked Abby and he, he found it online and cleaned it up a little bit for me. I wanted to show you all that tonight because it really talks about Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you look at the word can't and you see Jesus come along, 
and take his cross and take his cross to Calvary and die on the cross and be raised again, we can. He takes the can't away. We couldn't do it, but Jesus did. Not that he can, he already did. I just think this is such a great illustration, not just of this verse, but also of salvation, of what Jesus did for us. And the response is up to you. That's your part. So the question is, will you allow Jesus to take what you can't? Will you accept what Jesus did for you? If you're tired of fighting, you're tired of trying, it's just time to surrender. And the Bible makes it really clear and really simple. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.